Welcome to the Prophecy Club. We're going to talk about the DVD called Occult Holidays Revealed. Now, Stephen Dollars is an ex-Satanist high priest of the Church of Satan and speaker on the videos, The Occult in Your Living Room, Under the Spell of Harry Potter, Illuminati Game, or Blueprint for World Domination. Stephen reveals the truth and the true origins behind Christmas, Easter, Halloween, the world's most celebrated holidays, and he asks the question, is Christmas the celebration of the birth of Jesus? Which is what we're going to be talking about today. Also, is Easter really celebrating the resurrection of Jesus? And what is the hidden agenda behind Halloween? So with that, Stephen, welcome back to the Prophecy Club. Thanks, Dan. It's good to be here. All right. So is Christmas the celebration of the birth of Jesus? No, it's not. <laughs> so was Jesus born on December 25th? No, he was not. How do we know he was not born on December 25th? Well, let's go to the origin of the day we call Christmas. We know that Christianity was corrupted by pagan rituals. The practices during the reign of Constantine, the Roman emperor, and he combined Christian doctrine with that of paganism because he wanted to not only keep the Christians happy, he wanted to keep the pagans at that time happy too. So the Roman Catholic Church actually believed they could pray over and anoint satanic symbols and objects and if they did that, they would be able to make them clean and use them in holy worship services. So the celebration of Christmas is a mixture of pagan religion. If you, even if you want to go back to Babylon, we call it the mystery of religion. It's idolatry in its purest form. It was incorporated into Rome and into her pagan religious rituals. It was introduced into the world by the Roman Catholic Church as a, a commemoration of Christ's death. The problem with that is these pagans also celebrated what they call the winter solstice. And this is from December 21st to December 22nd. And they called it Yule, Y-U-L-E. And during this time, this is when the sun had reversed and was now rising in the sky. And they believed that this was a sign that all human sacrifices given on Halloween, Samhain, that had been accepted by their gods. And this is where the winter solstice comes in and this has nothing to do with the birth of Christ or the birth of Jesus as Savior. This has basically to do with the pagan and witchcraft ritual of Yule. This is one of their most celebrated times. Okay, so it has to do with the winter solstice. Yes. Why does it have to do with the winter solstice? Well, this is a time when they celebrated the time where they believed that the gods were going to look favorably upon them for the rest of the year. Again, the, a solstice is a movement of the sun, and that's exactly what they were looking to was the movement of the sun. It was a form of divination. Okay, let me explain winter and summer solstice in case you're not familiar with it. As you know, the longest day of the year is June 22nd. The shortest day of the year, I believe, is December 22nd. The solstice is when the day and the night is the equal day, and it right. happens twice each year. Now, how does Santa Claus come into the picture? <laughs> well, you know, we look at Santa Claus as being the jovial person that comes down your chimney on Christmas and brings good things to good boys and girls and bad things or, or nothing at all to those that have, have been bad in terms of behavior. And again, it's a type of thing that instills fear into children because they are afraid not to do good. Because if they don't do good, Santa isn't going to come visit them. And they're going to wake up in the morning and there's going to be nothing underneath their tree. He takes the place of the Lord God. And I'll explain that. Let's look at the 
attributes of Santa. Number one, he's omnipresent. In other words, he's everywhere at the same time. In other words, how could he get around the world in one night if he wasn't every place at one time? He's also all-knowing. He knows if you've been sleeping. He knows if you're awake. He knows if you've been bad or good. And he rewards the good. And what does he do? He punishes the bad. This little jovial man, the man that we really call Santa, the Bible teaches us that Satan's primary attack is on the most vulnerable. Jesus compares Satan to lightning. In Luke 10, 19, he says, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. So he appears as an angel of light. In other words, he also appears as an angel of light to your child. The, the child doesn't see anything wrong with Santa uh, whatsoever. He even puts out cookies and cakes for Santa to eat when he comes down the chimney. You notice also that he's a shapeshifter, Stan. He, he's able to shift his shape so he can go down through the chimneys. Ah, that's how he does it. Okay, go ahead. <laughs> and the, actually, the origin of Santa doesn't come from the United States. Once again, you find that all these holidays that we used to think were American are not Americanized at all. He actually began as a 4th century Catholic bishop named St. Nicholas. And this began the cult of St. Nicholas, and that was, that was a powerful religious movement. In fact, the Christian Almanac states that by the height of the Middle Ages, St. Nicholas was probably invoked in prayer more than any other figure except the Virgin Mary and Christ himself. So you can see where he really gained popularity, one of their patron saints, and now that they begin to pray to him also. So Santa is now a symbol not only of the, having the attributes of God, he's also a symbol of worship. Legend and folklore surround this figure, and it's said that this saint performed many miracles. For instance, Dan, he rescued three girls destined for prostitution. Now, again, this is all legend. He resurrected the bodies of murdered and mutilated boys killed by a sadistic innkeeper, and he was said to give out gifts to poor children, and that was his veneration as patron saint of the children. He began to be the the patron saint of all childhood. How does the tree come into Christmas? Well, the tree is also a symbol of worship, and again, it goes back to the Celtic religion. It goes back to, to paganism. It was a time when they believed that their gods actually resided in the trees. And now you look at that and you say, well, that's, that's funny. I mean, that's just kind of outrageous. Well, let me give you an example. Uh, Stan, several years ago, I was asked to go on a missionary team, with a missionary team, to a uh, Indian reservation in Texas. When we went to that tribe, and the head of the tribe took us on to the reservation, he began to talk about some of the, the symbols that they were worshiping and some of the things that they still were believing. This was a minister of a church of God who was trying to bring the people who believed in the old customs, trying to bring them and, and Christianize them. He said that the trees on, there were some trees, he said, not all of them. He said, but you can tell there are special trees that have been painted. And sure enough, around the edge of the tree was painted a huge yellow circle so that it really brought that particular tree out. And these people believed that these special trees had little people living up in them. And that if you were to cut these trees down, these little people would take revenge, and they would harm you. Sounds like demonic. I wonder if that, I mean, it kind of sounds like a tie a yellow ribbon around the old Pretty much, oak yeah. tree, you know. Isn't uh, that kind of, yeah, that, that's kind of ironic, isn't it? Yeah.
still pagan. Let me read this scripture. Exodus thirty four twelve. Take heed to thyself, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land whither thou goest, lest it be for a snare in the midst of thee. But ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves. Right. For thou shalt worship no other god, which is hinting, by the way, that the groves and the images and the altars were all pagan worship. Groves referring to trees. Anyway, go on. Whose name is Jealous, is a jealous god, lest thou make a covenant with the inhabitants of the land, and they go a-whoring after their gods, and do sacrifice unto their gods, and one called thee, and thou eat his sacrifice. So if we put up a Christmas tree in our house, is it not a form of worshiping another god? Absolutely. So you're uh, saying we should have nothing to do with a Christmas tree? I don't think we should be putting up any kind of tree and adorning it to the point to where it becomes a symbol of our focus. I agree. We don't put up a Christmas tree at all. Now, right. let's talk about the Christmas tree. Why is it that they put the star on top of the Christmas tree? Well, first of all, so let's look in paganism. In paganism, the tree is looked on as being an object or a symbol of worship. It already ha- always has been. Even to today, we have that worship of Gaia, Mother Earth, and the tree is... You know, you remember when one of our former people who were running for vice president was saying, you know, have you hugged a tree today? Would that be gore? Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> and in some cultures, it's a phallic symbol. It represents the worship of the male sex organ. For instance, in Egypt, it's called the palm tree, or Baal Tamar. And in Rome, it's the fir tree, or Baal Berith. And let's look at another scripture. Okay, so then, then was, so, so then was Baal worship having to do with the tree? Yes. Now, let's look at another scripture, and I'm glad you brought that first one up. Jeremiah 10, verses 3 through 4, says, For the customs of the people are vain. For one cutteth a tree out of the forest, the work of thy hands, of the workmen, with an axe. They deck it with silver and with gold. They fasten it with nails and with hammers, that it move not. Well, that sounds like a Christmas tree, doesn't it? Like a Christmas tree. The the problem is now that we've taken the silver and the gold now, and in particular in America, we've been led to believe that this custom and practice of, of adorning a tree actually honors God. And the silver and the gold have been replaced with bright, colorful, blinking lights and shiny tinsel and ornaments and stars. I'll give you another one. Jeremiah seventeen two. Whilst their children remember their altars and their groves by the green trees upon the high hills. You see, this is what they would do is go up to the high hills and they would put their presents to their God, their gifts to their God under the trees. And that was their form of worship. And that's what we in America do. So at least a few of us do. We don't anyway. They will go and they will buy these trees, cut them down, bring them into their house, put them uh, water around them, put them in their little tree holder, and then they set their gifts around the tree. They decorate the tree, and it is ball worship. It is worshiping another god, and it is not to be done by Christians. It's an abomination, correct? Correct. And what about the ornaments, the green and the red balls? Why do they decorate the tree? Is there any significance to that? Well, now, green and red is also very powerful colors in Satanism, paganism, and in witchcraft. The green represents, again, nature or the nature gods, and the red represents the underworld or the supernatural. Okay, now what about things like uh, mistletoe and holly? 
Uh, interesting. Mistletoe actually is a custom, again, that goes back to the Celtic religion. Yeah, not Christian. No, not not at all. Never started out being that way and never was never started out being in America. Remember that all these customs, all these traditions, and all these holidays were brought to us. It, it wasn't something that we started out doing. These are all things that were brought to us, and we just kind of embraced them and said, oh, yeah, this is great. But isn't that how Satan works? He just kind of gives you a little cube of sugar, and if it tastes good, what are you going to do? You're going to eat it. Mistletoe. You know, we find that hanging over the doorway during holiday season. But where did it come from? Why do we kiss? Because we're standing underneath poisonous and parasitic shrubbery. If you really want to get into about mistletoe, it's a poisonous plant. And it's also parasitic. It will eat other vegetation. It will grow on other vegetation. Why do we look at that as being something that is to kiss under? Well, the word mistletoe was derived from the Anglo-Saxon words, and that's mistle which means dung, and ton, which means twig. And mistleton in the Old English version is the Old English version of mistletoe. And this plant was thought to be named after bird droppings on a branch. That's how they spread their seeds. They believed that in the early centuries, they believed that it grew from birds. When the birds landed on branches and would put their dung on it, that the mistletoe would grow. So how did it become entwined with Christmas? Well, in France, mistletoe was a poisonous because they believed that it was growing on a tree that was used to make the cross on which Jesus was crucified. So it was cursed and denied a place to live and grow on earth forever to be a parasite. So once again, you see, it's all going back, and the Christian church tries to make something Christianized out of, out of something that's pagan. The Druids believed that it could perform miracles from fertility to healing diseases, and that was also a protection from spells and curses. They cut it off oak trees in special ceremonies. Five days, Stan, after the new moon following the winter solstice. Okay, so why do we kiss under it? Well, mistletoe was believed to be a sexual symbol, and because of the consistency and color of the berry juice, and it was used by the Druids as an aphrodisiac. It was said to be the soul of the oak from which it grows, and it's related to fertility and associated with the Roman festival of Saturnalia. Have you ever heard of Saturnalia? Never have. Saturnalia is a Roman festival in which they give honor to the Roman gods. And it's a day also of revelry, drinking, and dancing. And they deliberately have uh, orgies during that time also. Do you know what day that falls on, Stan? December 25th. I'm so surprised. <laughs> So the correct etiquette for the man is to remove one berry when he kisses a woman. And when the berries are gone, no more kissing under that plant's permitted. So they believe that a couple who kisses under the mistletoe will have good luck. And if you refuse to kiss under the mistletoe, guess what? You have bad luck. So they're talking about blessing and cursing. Again, yeah, exactly. And again, it's it's a form of divination. It's, it's a form of foretelling what your future is going to be with your heart's desires, the love of your life. Okay, let's go back to the question, why do they put a star on top of the tree? Well, the star is, is also the head capstone of, of worship. Now, go back to First Kings, where God specifically tells Solomon, he says, don't go into the, unto them, nor let them come in unto you, for if they do, they will surely turn away your heart after their own gods. Well, it also says that Solomon had many strange wives, that word strange, means that they weren't of the same faith or they wanted the same belief. So here you had all these different women coming into his life 
that were worshiping all these different gods, and to appease his wives, they asked him to build a temple so that they could worship their own gods at their own time. And when they did, that angered the Lord God to the extent that Solomon's heart was basically turned away from God and hardened. And then if you go to Amos 5, 26, God says what one of those symbols, which is the most powerful witchcraft symbol used today, and also in black magic, we call it the hexagram. It's all, some people call it the Star of David, but it's actually the Star of Solomon. So Stan, if you have a Bible handy, could you read that verse? It's in Amos 5, and I believe it starts with verse 26. Yes, Amos 5.26 is, But ye have borne the tabernacle of your Moloch, and Chewin, that's C-H-I-U-N, Chewin, your images, the star of your God, which ye made to yourselves. So is that talking about the star on top of the Christmas tree? Yes, it is. Is it saying that the star is not a Christian symbol? Not a Christian symbol at all. In fact, it's a, the hexagram, what we used to refer to as the hexagram. In the occultism, it's very powerful cursing symbol. Well, let me go on and read the next sentence right after that. The star of your God, which you made to yourselves, therefore I will cause you to go into captivity beyond Damascus. So he's pretty serious. He does not want us having anything to do with the star, the star of this other God. He doesn't want us putting up a Christmas tree, decorating it, putting presents underneath it, or putting a star or an angel on top of it. It's all pagan worship. Yes? Yes. Okay, what about the wreath that people put on their door? Interesting. The wreaths, we see them on doors, we see them on porch uh, steps, those sort of things throughout the season. And it's one of the symbols of Christmas that's widely used. And you notice, Stan, that the wreaths are circular. You also notice that most of them are made out of, what, evergreen. Right. You know, which, which is, again, what the quote-quote Christmas tree is from. They are circular in, in all pagan witchcraft practices and beliefs. The circle has always been a very powerful symbol for fertility, female fertility, and it represents the female womb. It's also referred to as the circle of life, and in the Celtic tradition, it represented what they called the wheel of the year, and it was made of evergreen, holly, and pine cones, and it represented their gods and goddesses of Yule. And again, we've taken something that was pagan, we've taken something that was witchcraft, and we've taken a practice that never, never was ours, and we tried to institutionalize it into the church and say that there's nothing wrong with putting the wreath up or there's nothing wrong with putting a star on a, on a Christmas tree. There's nothing wrong with looking for Santa to come down the chimney. But all these things are an abomination unto the Lord. Okay, now what about holly? Some people put these strings of holly and decorate things, deck their halls with boughs of holly. What about holly? These are, the holly was what they adorned the Yule log with, and, then, and during the winter solstice, what they would do would be to light this, what they called the Yule log, and they would do this during the time that the tide, the moon would cause the tide to roll in and cause it to come higher up onto the land. And so this is where you get the term Yule tide. And, you know, we still sing about those things in songs today, Christmas songs, about deck the halls, you know, with, with balls of holly and and yuletide carols and things like that. What about chestnuts roasting on an open fire? Uh, the chestnuts, again, represented the coming end of the winter solstice. It was another celebration where they would, they would take the nuts and roast them over the open fire. It was also a representation of sacrifices that had been made right before the winter solstice. See, everything in that song is pagan. Pretty much.
you might be saying, oh, it's not that important. Let me read from what the angel that spoke to Dimitri said. The majority of my people will be overtaken and trampled because their lives are not clean before their Lord. Tell this message to them. Do not be quiet. If you are quiet, I will punish you because the churches are fraudulent, counterfeit, fake. They live a life as their hearts desire with their hands stained in blood, adultery, sodomy, worshiping, here it is, strange and foreign gods. Then let's skip down. Tell them because all the nations of the world immigrated to America. America accepted them. America accepted Buddha, the devil church, the sodomite church, the Mormon church, and all kinds of wickedness. America was a Christian nation. Instead of stopping them, they went after their gods. They went after their gods. That's the reason it's so important to get the occult out of our churches, out of our homes, out of our lives, out of our businesses. So we're offering what we call the Occult Holidays Gift Offer. It's six DVDs, five titles, valued at $170, all for a gift of $40. And if you order it by the 18th of December, you'll get it by Christmas. And if you order it by the 18th of December, you'll also get an extra book by Stephen Dollins called Under the Spell of Harry Potter. The titles of the DVDs are What's Wrong with Halloween by Dr. Jack Clooney. Dr. Jack Clooney is a ranking authority on Satanism, witchcraft, white supremacy, and other forms of cult and occult activity. He's helped investigators from the FBI, CIA, OSI, Border Patrol, and dozens of police and sheriff organizations across America in occult-related crimes. The average Christian has no idea of the influence of the occult. Then, from Dot Marquis, it's called America's Occult Holidays. Dot Marquis was raised in an Illuminati family, trained as an Illuminist, attained the rank of Master Witch, third degree. He reveals how all American holidays are designed by using an occult numerical pattern originating from the Illuminati. Discover the real truth behind the popular holidays of Christmas, Easter, Halloween, Valentine's Day, May Day, and other traditions of men. Learn the truth behind occult practices like trick-or-treat, May Day, and more. Then, Stephen Dollins in Occult Holidays Revealed. Stephen is an ex-Satanist high priest of the Church of Satan, and he reveals the truth behind the origins of Christmas, Easter, Halloween, the world's most celebrated holidays, and what is the hidden agenda behind Halloween. He also comes back and made a double DVD called Occult in Your Living Room, very popular, and he shows how the occult lures the young and the old into the practice of witchcraft and Satanism. You'll discover things in your home that are actually occult. Crazy movies, video games, role-playing fantasy games. These devices initiate our children into the world of occult, making them appear to be cute, such as Teletubbies, Pokemon, and various other children's books. Bill Sneblin was a voodoo priest, Wiccan high priest, second-degree member of the Church of Satan, New Age guru, occultist, channeler, 90-degree mason, knight templar, vampire initiate, and member of the Illuminati. He explains how the media exposure of vampires, werewolves, make them to appear seductive, and many people are becoming intrigued with evil. So he explains what is wrong with werewolves and vampires. So that's six DVDs, five titles, valued at $170, offer a gift of $40. You get a free book, and you get it delivered by Christmas if you order it on or before December the 18th at prophecyclub.com. The Occult Holidays Gift Offer at prophecyclub. In 2017, I memorized the book of Revelation just as a simple project. Surprisingly, I began to receive information on 30 revelations and two visions beyond what is found in the Bible. 
God showed me a secret door, which is based upon a single word found in Revelation and Leviticus, linking the feasts to the prophecies. When linked, a person enters into an understanding of Bible prophecy not previously known. Even though I've been in the world of Bible prophecy for 40 years, frankly, I did not know anything of what is in this book. One prophetic word described it this way. There is a lock that I have put over a word in the book of Revelation that I'm going to open to you. It will turn so many books written on the end time message into obsolete books. That's this book. Topics are Jesus returns on what feast? The secret of the feasts. Who are the two witnesses? What is the morning star? The judgment seat explained. The great white throne explained. The nations explained. What is the shout? And the parables explained. Seals, trumpets, and vials go in what order? Two amazing prophecy charts on the back flap, 12 inches by 9 inches. Imagine a book on prophecy that brings a fresh, new, accurate perspective. I don't want you to get one book for $20. I want you to get five books for $30 or 10 for 55 It's called The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. Available at prophecyclub.com. The Secret Door to Understand Bible Prophecy. One for 20 No, no, no. Don't do that. You want to get five for 30 or the best deal, 10 for 55 prophecyclub.com. God has called this ministry to win thousands upon thousands, to build an end-time army of prophecy teachers working miracles. If you love Prophecy Club, you are a watchman. Thus, you are called to be part of this end-time army, and you should be at this crusade. I will teach through my two prophecy charts, talk on Miss the Mark, lay hands on, and anoint you with four milliliters of Revelation oil for you to receive the same Revelation spirit I received when I memorized the book of Revelation. Leslie will teach on her school of the prophets, lay hands on you, and anoint you with her prophetic oil to receive the prophetic anointing to hear the voice of God more clearly. Registration fee, $300. Do not doubt whether God has called you to be at this crusade. Be like Caleb and believe God to provide the funds and the days off to attend. If you love Prophecy Club, that is your confirmation to come. The Holy Spirit gave you that desire. Pray, and God will provide the ways and the means. This is a supernatural meeting to prepare you to walk supernaturally in the supernatural days of tribulation. So use your supernatural faith to come. April 8 through 12, 2020 at the Hyatt Regency in Richardson, Texas. That's in the DFW area. Go to sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com and register. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com The registration fee increases the closer we get to the crusade. The easiest way to listen and watch Prophecy Club YouTube videos is to download our free app from the App Store. This is not to be confused with WatchProphecyClub.com, where you can watch 26 years and over 300 DVDs for a subscription of $20 a month or $200 a year. In that you know the Internet is going away one day, it is a good idea to actually have the disc. However... At WatchProphecyClub.com, you can have instant access to over 200 titles on a recurring monthly subscription of $20 or yearly for $200 at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's $6,000 worth of information at WatchProphecyClub.com. That's WatchProphecyClub.com. What a deal. We have confirmed that Andre Bronkhorst will be giving personal prophecies at the Sevenfold Miracle Crusade, April 8 to 12, 2020. Leslie and I have received over 100 prophecies, but we both agree this man has given us the most accurate, precise prophecy in our life. 
Finding someone who can hear the voice of God this accurately is a special blessing. Knowing what God would say to you is priceless. Matter of fact, this may be one of the most important few minutes of your life. Here's the problem. We're expecting from 400 to 500 people at the crusade. In speaking with Andre, we estimate he can get to about 200 people. So now what? He's going to give personal prophecies on a first register, first given basis. So the first 200 to register are probably going to get a prophecy. So you want to register early to assure your opportunity to get a personal prophecy to hear from God through Andre Bronkhorst of South Africa. If you need to hear from God, register today at sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. One more time, sevenfoldmiraclecrusades.com. Would you like to have Prophecy Club come and speak at your church? Well, this is what pastors Rosemary and her husband Lloyd said when we went to their church. It was wonderful. Couldn't ask for anything any better. It was God sent, God blessed, and things happened. And I shall never forget what I saw, the glory of God in people and people hungry for Jesus and to know the word. It was eye-openers. They'd never even thought of those things before. If you'd like to have Prophecy Club into your church, please contact us at prophecyclub.com.